Welcome to your effing 40s. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Harding. And I'm Leanne McLeod. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back to your effing 40s. I'm Leanne. And I'm Corey. Today, we're going to interview our producer and director, Graham. Hello. Hello, Graham. How's it going? Good. And we're coming back right after this. Effing's 40s show is sponsored by... The Blind Beggar Pub, John William Wade Associates, and Tightfit Drywall. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the effing 40s. We're here with Graham, our producer and director. Hey, Leanne. Hey, Corey. So we have some really exciting news coming up for both Corey and myself. So, Corey, let's shed the light on this beautiful news that you have. Well, first off, Comedy Tuesday Night, by the time this airs, our first Comedy Tuesday Night, will have returned at the Blind Beggar Smokehouse. Woo-hoo! We're very excited to get it back. And uh, it's a professional show. It's $5. It starts at 9 o'clock. Does this uh, mean I have Tuesday. to be professional? No, the it's professional comedians. Oh, I don't have to be a professional. This is fantastic. The uh, You're going to be in the audience, which we're Shit. excited. The whole effing crew is going to be there. Hell yeah, yeah we, we are. And it's it's we comedy have... for less than a beer. Right? That's, there's no reason to pass that up. That's $5 comedy, folks. So I can't even shut up because I have exciting news. Corey, we have promoted a new member to the effing 40s crew, and you can take it away. Yeah, well, uh, she's really been part of the crew the whole time, but she's now officially gotten a title. Officially. Officially. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only so I can yell at her pretty much every day. So don't feel like she got a special position. Well, it, was, it, was, it was because we needed to get the insurance because right? And you guys the are abuse. just tired of hearing the shit. I get it. <laughs> we understand. But yeah, if you want to take it away to who it is. Angela's joint. Are we doing last names? No. No. Right. Angela. Angela's Angela. joined our crew officially as uh, executive assistant. She and works in childcare, so I don't think she totally wants us to freaking connect it with that. Well, she <laughs> still works in childcare. Yeah, she's perfectly suited for this position. <laughs> Legitly. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> good. About that is a bunch of 40-year-old teenagers. <laughs> yes. Thanks very much, guys. I have watched you guys prosper over the last number of months, and uh, you know, I look forward to the success and growth of, of the podcast and see where this company goes. It's been a great ride so far, so let's keep it going. And we will. So wait, is somebody prospering from this? Yeah, I'm, I am. It's it. totally to... my pocket, but I'm prospering. <laughs> wait, that... I get to make appearances, and that's all I get. And oh. the other uh, thing I just wanted to give a shout out uh, right, to... was to uh, James Moore. Yes. At Comedy Monday Night, the Godfather of Calgary comedy, and the Godfather. Uh, yeah, Godfather. So that was more like Batman, wasn't it? And it sounds a little more bad. Sounds yeah. a little weird. I gotta work on the Godfather. You go into my castle. Move, moving on. Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking castle? future shit. I don't know. I do it. I did. Yeah, yeah, you know, Don Corleone <laughs> in his, uh, his New York castle. So Come on. Deal. It happens. The castles of New York. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I had one, shout out to James Warren, Comedy Monday Night. Comedy Monday Night is the longest running open mic comedy show in Canada now made it it's over 15 years and uh, he went through some trials and tribulations with uh, some amateur comedians who were trying to tear down everything he'd built so i just wanted to shout out to comedy monday night check it out it's at eight o'clock at broken cities every monday night and it's again a five dollar show some of the best That's entertainment you can good. have off off weekends absolutely and the pride there is they start at eight they're done by nine thirty, quarter to ten plenty of time to get in trouble 
Well, you can get home, and you know, if if you're you know working everyday guy, you can still get home, watch the late news, go to bed, have a decent night's sleep, you know, but be a lot happier when you go to bed. And that's the uh, you know, that's and I the think ideas. we all need some happiness right now. We've all been through hell. We've been locked up like a bunch of caged animals. Yeah. So isn't it crazy that we get to get back out and have a laugh? Yeah. It kind of feels like we're getting back. There's been. A I don't lot want of to get too recently. excited though. It's, Oh, yeah, that's good. I know. People yeah, are... we don't want to get too too excited, but we want to stay calm and get excited for what we are blessed with at this point. Exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Major, right. major opening coming up. Yeah. Tomorrow night. Yeah. Tomorrow also night. with Comedy Tuesday night yeah. is the Smokehouse. And yeah. Comedy Tuesday night changed its format. It's professionals only. So that five dollar show is now not featuring people trying to learn stand up comedy. Well, so there goes my it. fun for tomorrow night. <laughs> well, I was going to get up and I was going to talk about menopause and nobody's letting me do it today. If you want to do today. five minutes of time, I produce the show, so. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'd like to see that five minutes You'd of time. You'd be like, boot on. If, if, if only to throw rotten fruit. I think, our, I think our fans <laughs> might want to see Leanne do five minutes of time and maybe we'll do that. I'm like, eh. Uh, <laughs> uh, the whole time it's going to happen, you know, I'd be like, this is my skew today. We should do that at a live show, maybe give you five minutes of time. Fuck that shit, no. Pardon my language. <laughs> they, say, they say it's the hardest job in the world, folks. And uh, yeah. it's mostly because it's public speaking. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm for already sure. non-scripted as it. Can you imagine if I had to be scripted? Are yeah. you scripted? Yeah. Yeah. You got I, notes. You can script yeah. me. You can't note me. Yeah. No, it's stand-up. Is, I tried. They I call know. It, it's an act for a reason. It's, it's scripted. You go from here to there, from A to B, to, in the fewest steps as possible. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah. And that's the special thing. You guys, you know, you follow a certain structure, and I, I do what I want. And we get to be excited. We get to see that tomorrow. We get to see our Corey practicing, not just practicing, purveying his legacy. Well, he's, always, he's always quite entertaining. He's Corey the Comedian. That's how he's known on Facebook. That's that's a title. When he's on here, he gets all professional on the show. Like, you have no idea. He's totally different I'm excited. on the show. I'm excited. <laughs> you're, about you're the comic story. relief on this show. I don't do it purposely, though. That's what I said. I can't no, that's why you're the comic relief, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it works. That's why this works so well. That's why it works. So, let's get on with this interview. Graham. Graham. Our, uh, our producer. So, I was shocked to find out that you do other things. What? I do. Besides this podcast. I do or yelling at me. I do something. You don't just stay in a closet and wait for our next podcast. Clearly. Which right. I'm very disappointed in. Certainly, certainly your equipment does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. You make one mistake, folks. You make one mistake. <laughs> I think the second take was much better. <laughs> oh, thanks. And this is that is... the director or producer talking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the embarrassed producer talking. So the this is our first real interview way back when we started this company. Graham was on a show with me because our uh, other co-hosts couldn't meet, make it and make it, make it, couldn't make it. And actually, it's really cool to finally bring you on here just before we actually start to go live because we are going to be live this coming Wednesday very quietly, right? By the time this airs, it's Friday and we've already done. But the grand opening for us and our opening show is on the 29th. Yeah. With an that's audience, frightening. and that's, <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's crazy. And and to be perfectly like candid about the entire process of getting here, it's been ridiculous. Like you came to me with an idea for a podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, I can I can help you with a podcast, I guess." You and thought it was then, just me a play toy. Oh, it was. I I had no idea that it was going to go this far, and here we are, show thirty 
odd, and yeah, it's it's yeah, just. You should know that. I don't know, no, for sure. And the reason that I don't know is because we have so many shows. Like it's just been epic. I told you, you I yeah. was gonna make it big. No, and you took it and ran with it. And I gotta say, like being as the guy on the other side of this microphone most of the time, just listening through all of this, I it's watching. It it's awesome. It's been great. It's watching you go from sort of a little bit reserved and a little bit scared and a little bit timid to being the person that you are now that knows when to speak and when not to speak. And it's just, it's, it's great. You've definitely come miles away from where you were earlier. It's, and I don't mean to say that you were bad before, but compared to now, Oh no, you my were bad listening before. skills suck. This is great. You're doing good. And you're, <laughs> you're getting be better totally than every show. I'm totally honest right now. <laughs> I like to talk. Everything's a process. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's a learning process. People need to understand that you're not going to be good when you try something no it's and it's something that you're passionate and i was about. so rocky about it in the beginning because i was just like this is what we're doing and i had no idea what i was doing whatsoever although learning and i had a lot of skepticism like in the beginning like you're like you should listen to this and we should do it this way and at the end of the day when i got you to agree to do it my way it did work i'm agreeing with this is working okay. this is absolutely working you've done a great job right wow. so great lawyer up yeah <laughs> right <laughs> Shut up, Leanne. I'm going to take it from here. I've been working on some of these answers. Yes, I know. I know you were. So, Graham, let's start off. You are how old? 37. So you're close to 40. I think, yeah. You think that? Yeah. I know. So went to art school then, not yeah, math. Not math. 30, yeah, I was a drama kid. I was definitely a drama kid at school, for sure. Yeah, right. But he for puts sure. robots and shit together in your yeah, living so, room. Again, this yeah. is, you know, art's creative side of you. Yeah. And, but the in the science. Well, I, I guess there's always kind of been a side to that. Like my father, he was a huge computer nerd. And when he moved to Canada, so I guess to go back to the beginning, let's go back to the beginning, born in England, 1983, born in a little town called Market Harbor. It was formed in like the 1600s. There's it, it was, it's, it's quite the place. My dad was responsible for installing one of the very first automatic teller machines in London. Shit. And so him and my mom, they had just had me and Fiona was on the way, my younger sister. And I've got another younger sister, Rachel. There was a group that had a little bit of things to say about the UK called the IRA. Mm. And so my father was uh, late one day and he missed his bus to work. And so he got the next bus and drove past the blown out husk of the bus that he was supposed wow. to take. Oh, wow. And so... Were you guys living there at this time? We were living in... in yeah, we were living in England at that time. And he decided that this probably wasn't the uh, the area that he wanted to be raising his two young children. Well, one young children and one child on the way and his new wife. So decided to pick everything up and move to Canada. Yeah, so... Came over to Canada. He had installed that first ATM. He was one of the people that dealt with computers when they used mechanical switches, where he would walk into a room and he would have to listen to a cabinet and then listen to a relay and be able to go in and find that exact part that was going wrong. So, so did you guys come to Calgary or did you, like, where did you start out? Was it Alberta? Yeah, we landed in Calgary. Yeah, we landed in Calgary See? in the middle, in the middle the of the 1988 Winter Olympics. Yeah! And it was awesome. I came to Canada. I was five years old and everybody was walking around with candles it's and they had airs. these little red things on the top and Heidi and Howie yeah. and, and Benny jackets. and Buckshot and two Calgary two and seven. It was wondrous. So Every little, day there were fireworks. Did you have a British accent? Oh, absolutely. I was straight off the boat, like straight off the boat. I came here. I remember we the very me. first time I ever saw a urinal. 
I didn't realize how to use it and I pulled down my pants all the way to the ground. And that was grade one yeah. and that did not go over well with my <laughs> new Canadian uh, classmates. So there was a little bit of culture shock, I guess, with that whole, you know, coming <laughs> over to Canada so did and you, all that. What grade? what grade? I was five when I moved over and I did that in grade one. Yeah, that was, a, that was spectacular. No, I peed in the urinal, but my pants around my ankles. Oh. I don't know. I, I, I still do it on occasion. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why we needed to do that. You just want to mix it up in the bathroom a little bit. And this is why so, he's usually in the background, boys and some, girls. Some things, some things don't change. And so, so, yeah, so my dad came to Canada. He was a big computer guy. He came over and he had some trouble finding a job. And... The part that I found out later on in life was that we used to get the newspaper Monday to Friday and that was fine, but the classified ads were on Saturday and Sunday. And so for the first like four or five months of living in Canada, my dad had the tail pickings of a 1980s economy in Canada. Like it definitely wasn't great. So he was for a while a door-to-door -door vacuum salesman and then he found a job with a company called Microage. They're still around today. I they're, used to work for them. They're an IT company. I actually had a I had a guy reach out from Toronto with one of their uh, their branches out there, reaching out for my current position, and he was just saying, "Hey, I'm working with Microage. My name's Robert, and my dad's name is Bob. His name is Robert." Yeah. So it was crazy, tiny, small world. Like I'm now the age that my father was when he was working for Microage, and I'm talking to somebody at Microage who has my father's same name. Like it was a pretty cool sort of thing that happened this week, but. Yeah, so he came to Canada and uh, he started working for a company called Microage and they sent him on something called the Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer course. Mm -hmm. So this is MCSE and basically this was before the A plus certifications of IT support. I wonder if, if you, you were, were <laughs> you could have. He was he was way up there. But is how old your dad now? Uh, 56, 57. When did he quit Microage? It would have been in the mid 90s. He was there for a long time. And then he went. Your yeah. dad was a young dad, eh? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he was 20. What's sort of 25? Sorry. I just choked on that. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and Corey's like, you I bitch. Am. Well, he's like, hey, technically, I'm like, like, right. I'm like, do you know how old I am? <laughs> yeah, but you have the experience, right? I'm just going through it right now. I'm like taking my experiences for the ride. It's good to have somebody that balanced me out. Like, no, this is what I did in my 40s, right? Like. That's, yeah, I think enough. that's the fun part of it. And it, it kind of provides me as a roadmap for what not to do in my 40s. <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm looking that's at this as an investment it. in my and future. Oh, for sure. For sure. Go more so with that you know. stuff. There's an end game here. There's absolutely an end game at play. <laughs> I'm going to take it as a compliment. I'm not going to take it as an insult. So you yeah. were here. So, so I there. took, yeah. So my dad was uh, put on this Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer course. It was like a year and a half and he did all of these courses at home. And of course, Graham, just sitting around, I kind of played with computers and we we always had some form of computers and so I would sit beside him and I would play around with him and stuff like that and so when he started doing this I was about nine or ten when he started getting into that full sort of thing and so I found myself at the age of 11 as Canada's youngest Microsoft certified professional systems engineer because I sat in with the like the, the company knew that I was there that I was listening to him I was a part of all of the boards so there's a funny story. I challenge the test. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. There's, there's no, there's no the restriction. Yeah. yeah, you can go and pay the ninety-nine or $999 and write an MCSE test right now. Yeah. Like, so I was working on that and I was doing a bunch of stuff. And this was in the days of like multi-user dungeons and like dial-up bulletin board systems. Yeah. 
And so I had been working. <laughs> Leanne's, <laughs> just, Leanne's like, just glazed over. I'm like, I'm going to pass out on this shit, random man. And it's the, the only reason that I bring this up is because that the, the, the same sort of time that I, I was sort of on slate for this Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer certification, I had been playing and contributing to this multi-user dungeon, like this place that is where very cool. in the old days you would dial up with your modem and you would set up a server that could take 20 people and you would all command, and it was all command line, like it was all a DOS prompt. It was just a flashing token and you would type, look left, look right, pick up rock, like just ridiculous things like this. And I, I spent, spent like so Zorg. much time on this, exactly like Zorg. So I spent so much time on this and Graham at that age didn't know about long distance charges or anything like that. <laughs> ah, so, there's a story. So, <laughs> so Graham's, parents, a big Graham's parents got a $2,700 bill one day. Oh shit, back then. And yeah, I... 1980s, $2,700. Yeah, like a $30,000 bill. Yeah, because we were on Catvision at the time, dialing up a 28, yeah. 28.8. And my dad, because of the work that he was doing, had dual 28.8 modems. Because oh. this was before 56K so existed. So we had bill. dual 28.8 shotgunned, which meant that we had two lines coming to the house, which meant that every phone call that I was making was being charged twice the long distance. So... $2,700. I got grounded hard. <laughs> I bet you My did. My computer was removed. I lost every single privilege that I could imagine. And it was three days oh, until what? the other members of the bulletin board system, the adults, the people that were running this that gaming system, realized that one of their major admins had just vanished. <laughs> so, so my parents get a call. From a bunch of guys, like because they know the number, can, it's can, a motive. Yeah, yeah. can <laughs> we uh, can we speak to Graham? Why do you need Graham? What are you talking about? Who's Graham? Like wh who's calling? Uh, well, I'm 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 Bob. I'm Bob Schneider, and I uh, I work on a I work on a mud with Graham, and we do all of these things. He hasn't been on, and we're just making sure that he's okay. And my father politely informed them that I rang up twenty seven hundred dollars of long distance bills, <laughs> and that. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to play on their dungeon anymore. Whatever the fuck this yeah. is. They, uh, well, he would know. They called back four hours later with a Western Union money transfer to no cover the cost way. of my phone bill because I was that instrumental in the development of the mud. I was a part of the, the back-end programming. So they had a conversation so with my parents. What did dad think about that? He thought it was great. My mom didn't. <laughs> she was a little bit worried because I was the guy that was just staying in the bedroom, staying in the basement, just yeah. locked away. And at the same time, I was still writing all of this stuff with my dad and doing the MCSE and all of that sort of stuff. So that happened. And then my dad sat for the MCSE. He had told one of the testers about me. And the tester was like, well, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a story. Like, bring him on in. Let's give him a shot. And so I wrote the test. I barely squeaked by. It wasn't a great test at all. But to be perfectly honest, I was a 12-year-old writing a test with the average age being 35, 40. Yeah, I was going to say, like, but, and it's not a but, huge, back then it wasn't a hugely easy test. Mm -hmm. No, it was a lot of network topology. It was coaxial cables. It was BNC connectors. It was TCI. Like, it was IRQ, DMA channels. It was gross. We used to have a network where if you didn't put connectors on the ends of the, on the, ends of the network lines, you would lose the connection. Like... I and was, if you guys I was can see right now, every piece of my eyes glazed over and my hands are, but good for you. So on to the intelligence and as to why we brought Graham on the show initially, as long as I've known you, you excel at everything you do. Ah, I, that's a, that's a that's, heavy burden to wear. Uh, I don't think it's a heavy burden. 
Really, I don't. I, think I appreciate you, it. You try very hard to do your best at everything you do, and a I am lot a try of, hard. It, I try really hard. You are hard. a try hard. I try hard. I don't know why that's a bad thing. Like, well, I don't know. I think, I think, so, I think no. sometimes I try as hard as I can. That site, though. I, I try that, as hard as I can. So, you know, for being 37, you can hit the ditch and you can crawl back out, right? Right? The thing about sliding into the bottom is you bounce if you hit it hard enough. I kind yeah. of, I kind of lay flat when I hit the bottom. But what? You no, bounce? you gotta bounce. You gotta bounce. You gotta ball up and bounce. Ball up. That's and the, bounce. that's the way to hit the bottom. And I, I feel as though I kind of, yeah, like life is one of those things. Life is crazy. Like my life, I lost my mom when I was thirteen. She yes, died of liver did. cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And so my father, at the age of thirty-six, was left with me, my sister, and my other sister, yeah. Rachel. Yeah. So that was a pretty crazy sort of time in my life. And I've kind of come to a lot of terms with the the sort of slack that I was given during those times. Mm-hmm. And I realize it's one of the reasons that I lack any type of self-drive. And it's been one of those things that I've really had to come across and I've really had to like analyze myself and figure it out. I am the worst at letting myself down. I don't give a fuck about any type of sort of about a, 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 priority or a thing that I need to pay attention to, I will consistently let myself down until I have somebody that holds me accountable for those things. And it's brutal. I, I feel <laughs> So how do you reconcile that with trying hard? I think it's because I'm trying to impress all of the other people in my life. That's why I do as why I try as hard as I can. And it's it's one of those like I, I wish that I could take more responsibility for my own personal happiness. And I think that it's been a lot like it's been a it's been a life of servitude. Like I've done a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Like my life has definitely been varied. I spent six years as a snowcat operator in Lake Louise. Which is super cool. Right? Like that was awesome. And that was that was at the end of a breakup. And uh Steph, if you're out there, I miss you. <laughs> Run, <laughs> so run far away. I broke up, I broke up with Steph. I broke up with Steph oh. just out of high school. Then you don't and deserve her back. It was it was one of those like, what do you do with your life? What's going on with your life? Where are you going? And I was living in Black Diamond, and I was working at the Bull and Finch at Canyon Meadows when it used to have oh, the yeah. water wheel outside right. of it and the circular bar and everything. And so I was working there, and one of the uh, one of the girls there was like, "You're not a very good bartender." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I've kind of, I kind of realized that. Like, I, I, I don't know why. And she's like, you just, you just talk too much. You don't do your job. Like, that's, it's very, it's very clear. You're just very personal. <laughs> so, like, I, I kind of took a little bit of offense to it. But I was like, okay, so what do I do? And the way that she, de- yeah, the way that she delivered that sort of input was, I'm not going to do anything with people. So I called Lake Louise and I asked them if they had any jobs. And the girl on the phone says, yeah, we have jobs. It depends on, you know, what you have, what you can do and all of that sort of stuff. And I was like, well, my family at the time was living on a llama alpaca farm just outside of Black Diamond. So I was a farm kid. And if you're a ski hill and you hear, I'm an Alberta farm kid that wants to come work at your ski hill, they they just say, when can you you arrive? So they said, yeah, absolutely. Come on down for an interview and everything will be great. So I told my father extremely quickly after that phone call that I had gotten a job. Yeah. And so I put all of my clothes and all of the things that I had into bags and I put them in the back of our car and we drove to Lake Louise and offered a job on the spot as a, uh, as a lifty. And it would, they're like, this was in the sort of end of August. So there was still a while until the ski hill started. So I had this weird 
sort of moment. And I think I kind of fell through the cracks because I was getting a very base level wage and I had no shifts or anything. So I fell into the whole Lake Louise, like that whole lackadaisy continued sort of just drifting through life as I felt kind of as a passenger. I wasn't ever really controlling the direction that I was going. I just kind of let things happen. You do know that you have no control. I like to think that we have a little bit of control. I definitely... You do and you don't. Like, you you can control your reaction to everything that's going on around you. That's all you can control. Right? That's really yeah. all you... At the end of the day. But control. I wasn't really making any decisions for myself. I was just kind of throwing myself at something and waiting for a door to open. And it worked really well for a really long time. <laughs> okay. Like, I just kept drifting around yeah. and I didn't really have any type of connection or like home based. I do anything. think a lot but of that has to experience along the way. Absolutely. I got a bunch of stories. Holy shit. So do you think like a lot of that had to do with like losing your mom at a young age? I the drift. I definitely think uh, like and I don't mean I, I'm going to say the next words and I've said them a lot in my head and I've said them to a lot to different people. And to those who were monumental and who raised me, I don't mean anything by this. No. Y'all let me down. You yeah. didn't hold me accountable and you let me get away with things. And I kick your ass. And it was, <laughs> it was something that nobody wanted to address. Yeah. It was just one of those big dark stains that everybody was worried about, you know, disturbing. And yeah. I was smart enough in school that I could write the paper to the teacher and just skate through. And nobody really held me accountable in the sort of 12 to 16 range. So I lacked four years of super defining framework of not being a procrastinating asshole, not sitting on the couch. And I, I think the only reason that I survived my high school and junior high school life was because I didn't find drugs or pot until after I graduated. Oh high yeah, school. that's totally it. Had you combined that lack of drive and lack of personal accountability with a substance abuse problem, boah. I don't even like to think about what I would have been or what I could have turned out to be. Very, very low and down. And that that position has been dark too, because yeah. at the end of the day, when I'm like sitting there thinking I'm a piece of shit, the only person that was accountable for that not being a piece of shit was me. Yeah. And it's like, it, it weighs down heavily on me. And especially when I know enough about some obscure technologies and I've got enough big words in my repertoire that people assume that I'm smart and I know what's going on. And then those people either give me a free pass or hold me to a higher standard. And it's it's just one of those things where I just continually go from what am I to you to what am I to you to what am I to you to what am I to you. So with the effing 40s crew, you are intelligent. We appreciate you. And I have a purpose. But you're a super pain in the ass some days. Well, and that's... that's. And I do hold you accountable to your shit. <laughs> I, I, I agree. You've, had, you've, been monstrument, you've been instrumental in that. And I, I think that the presence of you holding me accountable for things has been more in... The relationship that we had outside of effing yeah, 40s like for we've sure. known each other for a long time yeah we've been through thick and thin we've gone through a lot of shit and yeah yeah that's one of those things that i've realized later on in life when you're you know when you're young your your friends are geographically yeah. relevant yeah it's more of a decision that your parents made it's yeah. not a decision that you made and yeah. it's not until you get into life and you realize that your friends are filled with bits that you like and bits that you can't fucking stand but you decide that the pain that they cause you is so worth the joy and the happiness and the worth that they bring to your life. And I think that that's it because I haven't met somebody in my life that hasn't hurt me, but I have met people in my life that haven't helped me as much as they've hurt me. 
And so I think my new strategy in life and finding those people that are going to be productive parts of me are those that help me more than they hurt me because it's, it's, Almost asinine to think that nobody's going to help you more than they hurt you. You don't kick somebody. Well, life's crazy, man. Life's crazy. People get weird. And now they use the COVID excuse, right? Like not to be rude. And I know people, it's a very serious thing, but people are using it as an excuse to be shitty. And let me tell you this. I don't think that's an excuse anymore. I was going to say the chance to sort of show your camaraderie with your other man in this conflict or in this crisis, it it, it lends itself to be part of the solution. Like, This is something like the COVID solution. Like that's a, that's a public health crisis. That's I'm not talking about the the health crisis though, Graham. I'm talking about the way people treat each other using the excuse that they were locked up. Well, it's, I mean, it's a stressful situation. Yeah. So yeah. To, yeah. To, to a certain extent, I, I, but you're responsible for your stuff. actions, right? Well, you're I think everybody's, but, but nobody, nobody has been presented with two and a half months of free time. Like, for the very first time in my life, I've had that much time. Like, and I was, I, I was doing calls and Zoom calls and all of that. Like, I've been fully employed during this entire COVID thing, but I haven't been fully employed. Like, I've been operating at 20% at work until just recently when they opened everything up and people started calling again. And how does that feel? Does it feel good to be back at work? Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> a, yeah. So I went through a really dark period when this whole COVID thing came up. And I had just started a brand new sales job with a wonderful company called Met. They're, they're fantastic. And I had a bunch of really good success right away. And then everything got disconnected. The building had people in it that needed to work the machines and needed to load the paper. It needed to load the ink. So the separation you of the sales... you want to tell everybody what you're meaning here? So... Tell them what your company is first. Oh, we're Met Fine Printing. So we do a lot of printing. Like there we go. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, is, what are you uh, talking about these machines that yeah. you're loading? Yeah. Yeah. Print lawns that follow Leanne, just so you know, in layman <laughs> terms. Printing company. I've, spent the, I've spent the last 12 years of my life in the printing world. Yeah. I also own a software company that I also have with a, uh, with a partner of mine too. Right. And it's it's been that sort of basis on computers and my ability to find people as well. I, you also do other podcasts as well. I yeah, I I do uh, the Sax Uninterrupted podcast on occasion. I uh, I help Zach and Ashley out. They are fantastic and wonderful people. They yeah, they're a big part, and I think that's one of those uh, that's one of those communities that's been really hard hit by COVID. It's one of those like that that whole. I, I think the entire the which community, like the the entire podcast community. anybody oh. that anybody that talks to guests, anybody that talks to somebody, anybody that has any type of interaction with another human has been. They've just been they've been truly neutered by this entire situation, and we're facing a lot of new things coming out, and a lot of collaborative efforts between a lot of people. And you're an example of this. Like I think that our our start and the the proliferation through those trying times. Oh, it was nuts. Yeah, that's become that's become one of the stalwarts we of how I understood. Staff. We went through a co-host. Oh, absolutely. We've been we've been through up and down. Like this yeah. has been a this has been a journey. It was pretty scary for a bit there. Like it was quick. But I mean, Doug at the Blind Beggar hooked us up with Corey, and it was like the best decision. Oh, Corey's, Corey's golden. Point, I and he puts up with my weirdness. So Plus, if you'd like, seen his slam pad. Oh, my God, oh, you guys. We take video, but you're not allowed to know where you live. Like, I can't wear panties in here anymore. And if we did take fall video, off of the door. you would know. <laughs> You've seen it in a few pornos. It's gorgeous. It's 
gorgeous. He's there killing it. There probably was pornos made in here, wasn't there? <laughs> I'm sure at one time it's... Uh, I'm like, with the yeah. windows wide open. Cause, and he's like, they don't... See, do you really... Because I can see through these people's apartments. So do you really walk around here nude, Corey? Yeah, but you could... It's just silhouette right? So this yeah. thing... Yeah, okay, well. If things are hanging out, though, you're going to see it. Because I can see Definitely. them pretty Hopefully. clearly yeah. over there. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For me? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that guy a tripod? What's going on over there? <laughs> Got an anaconda attached to his crotch. So Graham, and I actually leave tripods up so people. Do you want to tell us? Do you want to tell us how we brought you here? How did you brought me here? How did we brought you here? Is that English? How did we bring you here? How yeah. long have you guys been friends? Me and Leanne have been friends for about a year and a half, two years now. Almost two years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, been two, two years. years this year. Yeah, we met at Rips. No. We met at Monkey initially. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There was a bartender there. Yeah, and I definitely... But I, I met Mark you one night uh, at Rips, yes. Yeah, I helped Mark and, uh, Mark and Mike start that with my ex. Yeah, you did with the Brass Monkey, yeah. Yeah, she did, all of the, uh, she did all the marketing. I was actually a DJ for them for a long time as well. Cool. You said multiple different jobs, but I met you... I had a lot of crazy jobs. Strictly, it you was know, at the Rips. I think uh, it's... I read somewhere that most people change careers on average. And I read this a long time ago, so it may have... It may have changed but on average eight times careers not jobs yeah change careers in your lifetime oh for average, sure eight times well i've been i've been I've a, been three this is my third yeah i've so been a, i've been a, still got a ways to go well i know i have the 50s coming up soon so i'm 30 i'm 37 i have been a system administrator a kitchen manager a bartender waiter you a better. heavy equipment operator a salesperson and a print production coordinator i've been a project manager I've been a sales solution or a sales solutions expert for Staples, the technology division. That's still sales. That was awesome. Yeah, I guess that was sales. That was sales. And you know why they do it? Because Graham, if he doesn't get a, like a straight answer from you, you're going to talk to him a lot. Absolutely. You, so it's been like, I, I feel as though my superhero curse is information proliferation. If I know something, there's no reason that you shouldn't know what I know. I want everybody in the room to be as smart as me and I want them to be as excited about learning wow, new stuff. Wow, and I want that's what I want. I because the world is faith like we're coming to a time where a vast majority of low now, wage problems are going to be replaced by robots and they're going to be replaced by AI. And I think that a lot of people look at that and they go, That's doom and gloom. We're looking at the end of the world. And I look at it as this has happened before. It used to take one person to grow one person's food. Then it took one person to grow 10 person's food, then a hundred person's food. Then one person was growing a thousand people's food. And did we have 999 farmers that were out unemployed and just destitute and feeding off the land? No, we had the birth of astronomy. We had the birth of medicine. We had the birth of mathematics. When you free people to do things that they shouldn't be doing, that can be automated, that can be turned into a, a function that an output shaft does, that person deserves a life where they don't have to do that job. And whether or not that looks like universal healthcare, once all of that comes in, it lies on the whole, it's not a question of whether or not the robotic future is coming. It is. It's a question of whether or not the redistribution of wealth will be done so in a way that supports a multi-class economy or a single-class economy. Because the rich people are only going to get richer. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are on par to be the world's first trillionaires. If they get access to the moon, if they get access to Mars, and Elon Musk's open AI company has just released an AI bot that is capable of reproducing text 
indistinguishable from humans. So we can give it the first sentence of a well-known book, and it can come up with the rest of the book in a very similar stanza, in a very similar writing style. And to the linguistic experts of the world, this is completely indistinguishable from a human writing. This was just released a couple of days ago. And Elon Musk did it in a bid to release those algorithms to enough people to understand why those AI are so capable at doing what they're doing. His first sort of knee-jerk reaction of all of this technology was, this is dangerous and it can't go into the hands of everybody. And he's kind of changed his outlook on that as going, this is dangerous. Everybody needs to know as much as they can about this. Yeah, and so that's something that's just happened recently. And that's, that's evident of that shift that we're getting. I'm a firm believer that 30% of every office job can be automated. And that doesn't mean fire 30% of the office workers. It means send the office workers out to interact with other people, to learn new skills, to pick up a new language, to find new ways of propagating themselves. Because those bits that we can automate should always be automated as soon as they can be automated. Because people are good at doing people things. Robots are so much better at doing robot things than people will ever be. Yeah. And it's a weird sort of place to be put in that. And I feel that so my understanding of computers and my placement with people and my constant interaction with so many, it gives me a strange sort of understanding of the network and the like the the bits that make human interaction, as well as the infrastructure and the support network that computers completely provide. Because without that computer support network, humans couldn't be doing what they're doing now. And without humans doing what they're doing now, computers couldn't exist at the level that they're at. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's crazy and that there's a lot of fear around that. And I think that that's, that's something that we need to dispel. We're better than being replaced by robots. For sure. Yeah. I would like to see a robot like me. That'd be scary, actually. I would not like to see a robot like me. <laughs> you guys have not seen me in the morning. <laughs> we could hide a robot behind a Facebook uh, behind a Facebook profile, and we could do a pretty good job of emulating you. That's that's where we're at with robots. I know. Now. I've been yeah. watching it. We so could give all of the posts that you've written to a robot, and he could write posts, I and know. your friends wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I know. It's dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah. Well, so, I'm with... Uh, uh, what is the fake? Deep fakes. Deep fakes. Well, deep fakes is getting to the point where, like, and and very soon, you know, I mean, the world is in a pretty crazy state. Yeah. So you know, very quickly, you could have somebody saying something that could people be like, I can't believe that just happened, and that just came out, and it's like, well, that's a fake. And in and a it, world where people don't second judge things, where yeah. they don't go to another source for confirmation or deny, when we we take our when we become single source news consumers, it's just we we become espousers of a narrative that people that are making more money than us decide. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the true source, the true solution to all of that is as much information as possible Gosh. from as many sources as possible. Gosh. Information insemination. You gotta infect people with knowledge. Open yeah, open Why discussion about things. So dirty. Right? Because, because that's kind of the way I am. We know. And I'm pretty sure anyone who's listened this long uh, is like, what? Sex interrupted? Sex yeah. uninterrupted? Sex uninterrupted. What the hell is that? This is a sexual positive, lifestyle positive podcast ran by my friends. And they are wonderful. Sexual Explain positive. this to us. Yeah. 
Here's here's Corey getting uptight. Set sit sexual. Yeah, no, it's 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 the lifestyle. It's it's the uh, like it's the, the lifestyle. What's the life? yeah? It's the the practice of non-monogamy, in whatever that presents itself as. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's a decision that you make as a uh, as a couple as uh, yeah, definitely as a couple that you are sort of open to the understanding that life is pretty crazy and there's a lot of weird sort of things that people find attractive and that people search for in one another. And it's, it's weird to think nowadays when you've been presented with so much information and you have so many different perspectives and you have so many different stories, like you can build a basis of existence off of a million people's different understandings of things. So these people are married then? It depends on it. I wasn't married to my ex and we were members of the lifestyle. It was just the acceptance that sex becomes one of those wonderful things that you share. It, and creepy dudes can't show up alone. They got to bring a chick. <laughs> that, what if it's a creepy chick? It is. So there's, there's, there's one of those crazy dichotomies between those, that world and the other world. Like women absolutely rule in that world. Well, and, is. And, and here's the thing, and I want to stop you there because you you were talking about sort of normalized Asians and and, mm. and the different uh, looks and perspectives on things. It is a normal um, thing, and well, it is, and because people don't know this, they always make the chimpanzee comparison with our DNA, and then the truth of it is, we're more closely related to the bonobo species, and the bonobo species is a matriarchal species where the matriarchs, where the, the females have multiple partners in the tribe. Absolutely. Yeah, I do that in business. <laughs> <laughs> because most of the guys that work with me, and I'm saying guys because they are guys, but most people that work with me are guys. Yeah, It's true. Yeah, And no. it's like having a bunch of husbands I want to kill. Well. That's a little bit of a kibosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, like when you've got a world that's as open and it's so easy to share and it's so easy to liken your experience to somebody else's, it just, it, it becomes one of those things that you really get, you get the opportunity to, to explore it. And I like, I don't mean to be crass or anything like that, but group sex is a Pandora's box, man. Like once you open that up, it becomes unequivocal. If there's a word for that. And I like, and that doesn't mean that I can't have sex with a girl and enjoy myself one-on-one -on -one because that's a totally different thing. There are a lot of different types of sex that you have with a lot of different types of people. And I think the big thing that... This is like NASCAR and Indy? What? <laughs> <laughs> they both have wheels. Like, like NASCAR's just going around. Yeah, around, around, around in circles. And the other one's got all sorts of road courses and pit stops. And, you know, no, it's, I don't know. It's So, like, in that lifestyle, it's strictly, um, like, you're strictly straight, right? It's not, stri it's not strictly anything. And in, in the realm of what it's... So are you swinging all directions right. then, too? No, no, no. I, I, I consider myself straight. But in crazy situations, like, I'm not... I'm not gay and I've been in a couple of situations that have definitely presented themselves and I've realized that that's definitely not my cup of tea. It's not something that I'm repulsed by because when you're in a situation where there are multiple partners, there comes friction points and <laughs> dual insertions. It's like contact becomes yeah. inevitable and yeah. it turns into one of those Get things. Like, boys and girls. And, it, and it's, it's that exposure. Like I think it's the the easier it is to be around other people and to celebrate nudity. Like 
I'm a guy and I feel as though the life that I've led has led me to the point where I can call out beauty regardless of sex. I can call out, like, I, I can point out hot looking guys. I can point out Adonises. I go to a gym and there's this one guy and he's like a little bit Asian and like one of those, like definitely a half breed, but I'm pretty sure he's got 0.3% body fat. And it is like, <laughs> yeah, a, you're still allowed to say half breed. Adonis level, Adonis level. I, I've got no problem with that. So you get a heart that? Oh, for sure, man. That guy's hot as fuck. Like the rock. Would, would I want him to screw me? No, not at all. Do I think of that as like a, a shining example of what the male physique could be? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I credit him for that? So you're for appreciating sure. his beauty. Absolutely. That's one of the, like, I, I possess a, if I have a superpower, it's my puppy-like enthusiasm for absolutely everything. I can know exactly what's about to happen. I get so excited when it happens. I just, I, I can fall in love a thousand times before I get to the bus stop. I find joy and happiness and, and wonder and delight. And everything along the way. Mine, 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 mine. Consent oh, is right. key. You guys Consent didn't stop me last time is, and it just happened. We're, we're, living, we're living in a 2020 environment nowadays. Hashtag me too. Consent is key. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. And that's one well, of those other things. That's what I miss. That's what I miss. Don't pee on people anymore, Leanne. Why is that peeing on everything? Like, this is why we need a producer. Things. This guy's letting the show go off the rails. Right? Who's in charge Get of this? To work, Who's in Graham. charge of this fiasco? <laughs> I gotta say, it's 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 a joy working with you guys. You guys are fun. You guys are easy to talk to, and I feel as though I've just kind of spoken, like I've I've just vomited out of my mouth. Okay, so and you made me feel this. so welcome. How do people reach you for your business and stuff like that if they're looking for what you do? Besides all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'd and say if they're looking for what you do. Right. Well, or that. <laughs> oh, okay, now, Grandma, wait, he told me in the beginning I'm not allowed to pimp any of our staff out. No, that's that, that was actually the uh the legal company that told us that we weren't allowed to pimp on. Oh, is that what they told anybody. me? Yeah. Oh. Oh. I didn't want to include you my in that pimp conversation. Days are over. A lot of big words. My pimp days <laughs> are over. A lot of big words. I even had the big feathery hat. Like, what is that? She was ready to go. She was ready to go. But then she cried. But then she cried. And what don't pimps do? Pimps don't cry. Dude, I tell people not to touch me. I think that's good enough. You cry. You could never be a pimp. Pimps I've never cried on the show. Okay, Lynx, how do how do people uh, make your life better? Carrier pigeon and um no. Just because you collect carrier pigeons. I do. I've got a thing. I watched this documentary that Mike Tyson collected them, and that was how he got into boxing. Anyway. I, uh, That's how he got into boxing. No, I don't think so. Well, so there was a story. There was totally a story. So he, there was this mean carrier pigeon. Absolutely. So Mike, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, absolutely. He absolutely used to raise pigeons, carrier pigeons, and all the pigeons. Kept keeping my pigeons. And some dude, some dude killed all of Didn't his pigeons. pigeons. No way, really. Yeah, some dude oh, killed shit. all his, and he went, he snapped and went crazy. And I this think is a like story? this is a true Mike Tyson story. Dude, like he, he raised pigeons and he snapped and went crazy. And I think it was like around that time that his first original boxing coach saw him snap on the dude that killed the pigeons. And he was like, I you need to control you. I need to control you. And yeah, it was absolutely. Because he came from abject poverty. Like, no, I know. that's a story and a half. I'd like to get a hold of him. And so his show. trainer, before every fight, snapped a pigeon in dude, front right of him. right in front of his face, man. It was savage. It was savage. And they got footage of it in this documentary, too. You want to turn it away, but you know what? You can't. Oh, 
my you god. You can't. Okay, Graham. Thank tell us so where much. we find you. Thank you for coming on today. I will put my links in the uh, description of the podcasts because that's, right. that's, that's what, what you I do. do. That's what you, do. <laughs> you can probably find me. And actually, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to give you a Facebook. I'm going to give you an Instagram. And I'm even going to throw my GitHub repository at you. Oh, well, I thought you were going to just... So you're going to check out all that code there. that I'm writing. All that mad code. See? That even sounds dirty. Right? Oh, I can make anything sound so dirty. Girls, you want to push my commit, baby? And he looks like Jesus sometimes. I do look like Jesus. I, I actually, I uh, I do a lot of IT work for a bunch of different um, heavy equipment Jesus. shops. And my name on all of their call lists is White Jesus. <laughs> because they're all Muslim and they sure understand that Jesus was right definitely now Muslim. Is right. going to yeah. cast stones at this show Because they're all Muslim. Because they're all Muslim, yeah. right? Yeah, no, they stick sense. together. Yep. So yep. we want to thank Jesus. everybody this week. I did thank you guys last Friday. I think I believe I put it out. Thank you for the support of this show. It's been amazing. I would have put you as smart, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, but then it sets the bar a little bit too high. And, all and that with that being stuff. said... Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I, I want to do my thank yous okay, as well. Okay, you do your thank yous. I want to say thank you to Corey. I want to say thank you to Leanne. I want to say thank you to... Angela. Angela. I want to say thank you to all of you people that have helped me become a part of this, that have let me be your director, that have let me sort of push you in the right direction when it comes to all of the shows. Aww. And I do know that some of the shit that I say and some of the things that I ask you to do, again... And again, and again, and again, hmm? and again, <laughs> makes you upset and hate me. But I think of this as an expression of my caring about you and my hope that what this is, is a success. And I see nothing but joy and a great future in both you two hosts and you as our back end support. It's Can't great. Support. And I, I love it. And I, I, I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better crew to be part of in this whole uh, podcast. We love space. you, Graham. We do. Yeah. And I genuinely love you guys too. Thank you for coming so on tonight. You're gonna cut really this in fun. post though, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You got, yeah. No, I we, love you no, though. We, we do. We love you. <laughs> and Anyways, we all love you too. You guys have a great week. Thank you for your support. Continue. Come out to the blind beggar on the 29th. Book your tickets. Tuesdays, two toonies in the loony. And it's Tuesdays, comedy. But Wednesday, right. also effing 40. And yeah. our show. And of our course, our show. You're Every a Wednesday. Bad producer. We're supposed you to produce this shit. I don't have my notes. No. I'm, your, I'm your guest. And yeah. we are still looking for, we are always booking guests. So if you're interested, please contact us through our Facebook page and we'll respond. <laughs> if you Absolutely. think you can withstand the onslaught of questions, this shit that came out today. And we look They're forward. wonderful. Did we ask two questions on this show or one? I I'm just talked. Sure. Yeah, you, just this talk. is your fault. <laughs> this is your fault. This entire show I right here. I don't how this is my fault. Your two's fault. Your two's. <laughs> your two's. Your two's. See, there's the intelligent nerdy guy. I love That's it. That's why he's not on the mic all the time. Right? You guys have a great week and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.